live. Right. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Time and Place, the gospel conversation show where we discuss faith on the fringes and do our best to apply God's word to God's world. I'm Solomon. This is Julian. Yep. And today we're going to talk about Seventh-day Adventist. But first, Julian, what the heck is going on in the world today? Mm, well, uh, dark stuff's going on in the world today, but there was one funny thing that came out of it that I thought was interesting. Uh, so there's another round of looting going on mm. in, around, the, around the place, right? especially in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, there's a new term that came out from all of that. Uh, looting is now referred to as material liberation. <laughs> so we're not we're not stealing. We're freeing them from the oppressive people who possess them that we want. So these poor, these, these poor big screen TVs are being yeah. <laughs> locked up in this target. I'm freeing them. I'm a liberator. Oh, oh it's man. so good. It's a good it, one. It, it really is. But the, the, the context was the guy who tweeted it out was saying, uh, he was basically saying, stop filming people loot because it makes us look bad. But uh, <laughs> the way he phrased it was acts of material liber liberation should not be filmed. So... <laughs> If you're gonna take, if you're gonna steal the TV, don't post a selfie. Now, is this in Minneapolis? Yeah, it's just in the Minnesota area. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, it is. It's a bad, it's a bad time Funnily to be enough. a oh. big box store in Minneapolis. <laughs> just close up shop and get out. Oh man, it's like every day is Black Friday. Well, I mean, this is round. I didn't mean that like a. Yeah, I was just saying, we'll cut that out. This was a round. I met with the stealing. I mean, I met with the. Trampling people. Yeah. This is only the, the next round of looting. I'm expecting when the verdict comes down on the Chauvin trial, we're going to get yeah. looting round three because it's not looking like they're getting the conviction they want at all. There's no way. He's going to be – he's going to go to jail. For you sure. Think? Yeah, because uh, the jury is not being sequestered. Mm. So they're going home mm. every day. <laughs> and they're they're told not to watch. They're told not to get on social media. They're told not to watch TV. They're told, but I mean, you it's like you can't even you can't even live without yeah some kind of screen in your face, right? So they used to sequester people back. You know, I mean, I guess they still do, but that was when like the newspaper was your source of news or whatever, right? So right. the amount of influence that these people are getting, and these people live there. These aren't what they should have done was get a jury from outside of town or something or some kind of rural area who don't really have a stake in the city burning to right. the ground. Right. Yeah. Right. And are, I should have sequestered them like for real, not, but at this point it's too late. I mean, this has gone on so long and it was all last over a year ago. So, or almost a year ago, it's been too late. There's no jury in Minneapolis you could pick who doesn't know what's going on or who hasn't formed some kind of opinion already. Right. So I think the jury is the big, problem on this i think it's maybe a hung jury or mm. conviction of him just just to say just right yeah <laughs> see I, I didn't think about that because that, i mean it came out today that a, an expert witness for uh had said that he did not use lethal force the technique he was using was not lethal yeah, force. yeah i saw and that so I, I was seeing that mount up and i was thinking well they're not gonna get the conviction but i didn't think about the pressure on the jury it's, it comes out of the jury man and that's yeah. and that i think is what's gonna be just the the craziest thing like they cannot they're not gonna want to be the jury that right let him go you know what i mean and they yeah. can't they, they just can't be that those people so 
it does evidence shadow of a doubt nah like yeah, that's it's, true it's, it's gotta take one for the <laughs> <laughs> for the city take one for the city bro sorry oh man <laughs> it's just crazy that i mean it was the perfect storm covid lockdowns uh we already had the occupy black lives matter political unrest like at a, at a fever pitch just perfect storm couldn't have gone anywhere like it's the point that we're at where we have to you there's an approved opinion on a trial that's going on like you, you know what you better say the court of public opinion i think has already yeah, spoken already decided pretty loud and so it's 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 done if he goes free dude <laughs> not just it's that that's not just a minneapolis thing that's no, it's a, everywhere that's the, again across the country you got marches i mean you can almost hear the spray paint rattling already <laughs> like everything <laughs> and there's going to be like uh piles of rocks put out by the government. oh yeah uh, convenient pallets of bricks just pallets laid out of there. bricks yeah in the city yep yeah man that's a crazy one it's and it is crazy because i've been kind of listening uh i've been listening to the megan kelly podcast which is actually pretty good um and she's had she has these like big wig lawyers and stuff talking about it just for hours going in detail of the case and all that kind of stuff and it's it's pretty interesting just like how they're how they're looking at it and what they would admit but the judge apparently also is like admitting everything he's like letting people just tell how it made them feel and stuff and it's what? like what is this like why why was that allowed what does that have to do with the evidence and the truth oh. and everything oh it's anyway. the show it's the pageantry of right? it all <laughs> Right, he's very he's very pro prosecution. I think. Well, so. the thing that's funny about the the new one because there's another uh, another case going on with another young man who was shot. Um, oh. What I thought was interesting about this whole thing is that he got pulled over for having an expired license plate, right? Like when you, they pull you, right? yeah, like yeah, I got pulled over oh. today. As a matter of fact, well, they couldn't for, see well, license my plate. light was off. Yeah, I wasn't, oh, my right. license plate wasn't expired. But you know, they take your license and they run it, and that's how they found out he had a warrant, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I could be wrong on the details, but what I heard was the warrant was for illegal gun possession. So, you know, everybody's talking about the tragedy of this. And I thought, well, you know, if guns weren't illegal to possess, this wouldn't yeah. be a problem. But the same people who are angry about this are also pulling for gun control laws. So Right. They're pulling to abolish the police and no <laughs> guns. And it's like, what? I mean, I, I, I could actually hear an argument for less police and more armed citizens. Right. right? But no like nothing <laughs> like what do i do what happens you know like what do i do if i my house is getting robbed like just, you sit there and take it you white right. privileged <laughs> what if a white person robbing me <laughs> <laughs> what does he identify as white that's the important factor all yeah. i'm saying is i i seen your house and you got some material that needs to be liberated so <laughs> some liberation of material yeah <laughs> that's a good one liberation theology yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's some different that's a whole yeah that's a whole word <laughs> but our topic today is theological in uh scope so seven day adventists yeah kind of a weird um i don't want to say weird but obscure group i mean weird yes but obscure also is the main i i, the main. I don't have hardly any experience talking with uh seventh day adventists i don't i don't think i've even i I know I've met them, and I know I've known some before. I think they've some went to like our homeschool group or something. They were mm. part 
they were like seventh, but I never knew like what it was or anything. I didn't even know Ben Carson was seventh day Adventist. Yeah, so yeah, it wasn't really talked about. It kind of was like was a, a big one for me. I didn't know that yeah. at all. Probably the uh, most prominent. I can't think of it. I mean, maybe there was one that just didn't talk about it, but he's maybe the most <laughs> prominent one. You know, I was listening to uh, Jack Carr's on Rogan recently, and uh, he there's those books, The Terminalist. They're making a TV show with Chris Pratt on mm-hmm. Amazon and stuff. So uh, I want to. I haven't read the books. So I want to though. They're like thrillers, kind of like Jack Ryan or something. But, okay. Um, he's just really a cool, cool guy. Uh, this guy Jack Carr, the author, he was a Navy SEAL, got out, and then he's writing these books and stuff. But um, it's really cool, really nice. Doesn't really cuss like at all. Uh, mm-hmm. He talked about giving his kids uh, like a constitution and a Bible when they were 18 or something like that. And like, as, as like a gift and like a compass, he, right, he said right. he, gave, he gave all the kids a gift of a, a constitution, a Bible, a compass and a tomahawk. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like just to, you know, defend, defend all those truths and stuff. But, mm. um, so and I was like, Oh, but he lives in park city, Utah. And so I was like, Oh no. <laughs> We've been Mormon juke before. <laughs> Taking this again. Mormon tricked. Mormon. <laughs> yeah. Christian tricked or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, so I Googled, is Jack Carr a Mormon? And I didn't see anything about it. So okay. there was like a, I guess in the, like the desert newspaper, there was like a whole profile or something and nothing mentioned of him being a Mormon. So. And they love to trumpet those. Yeah, yeah, they do. Famous Mormons. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess he's just uh, either evangelical or just American. Yeah, just American, <laughs> culturally Christian. <laughs> yeah, it's a conservative American. I don't know. <laughs> Same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. Basically, if you're if that's why you give a Bible and a Constitution. <laughs> exactly. You need the one to translate the other one. <laughs> in that order. <laughs> in that order. <laughs> the Constitution and then the Bible. Yeah. There's no movie where Nicolas Cage is trying to get the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> so due to our ignorance over Seventh-day Adventism, uh, yeah. we reached out to somebody who came out of the movement and grew up in it. So uh, I, I don't think there could be a better source besides a current Adventist to explain everything to us. Unfortunately, they don't respond to invitations to go on. So, you know, if, if, if they want to respond later, we're open to the suggestion. If, if you're willing to defend your position, please let us know and we will have you on. But in the meantime, I'm going to bring on our guest for today. Hey. How's it going, man? Nice to meet you. You want to go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, kind of give us your background? Sure. My name is Anthony Andriola. Uh, my parents converted to Adventism in the 70s, right before they got married. And uh, back then, a lot of people were converting to Adventism. They would send you a little pamphlet in the mail with a beast on it, with a leopard, with all of those things. If you've ever gotten that in the mail, and it, it promises to give you the secrets of Revelation and doesn't tell you what denomination is sending it, it's probably Seventh-day Adventist. Hmm. Around so like the seventh meeting or so, they move you over to the church. So that's how they do it. Hmm. But um, yeah, I grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist church. Um, I uh, was a, a private school, grew up in the private school system. And uh, that was my life, man. I lived in that bubble. And, you know, honestly, I loved it. I have nothing but good experiences from it. Uh, I just don't agree with it anymore, if that hmm. makes sense. So, so that, that's an important point that we talked about when we were setting this whole thing up. Um, a lot of people, I've, I've talked to some who came out of maybe Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness movement, where they have kind of horror stories about yeah. the, the the society itself and kind of the, the culture that it, that it you know produces. You don't have that problem. It wasn't a, an no, experience no, no, no. that turned you off to it. It was no. doctrinal issues that turned you off to it. Correct. And I still have friends and family who are in 
Seventh-day Adventism, and I still associate with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, uh, you know, don't worship with them. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. Um, and, and that's all it has to be. I, I have really no beef with them. Uh, mm-hmm. They were nothing but good to me, and, and right. I, I don't want to make it any less than that, you know? Mm. And I like that, too, because I, I think oftentimes – uh, when you do see high-profile ex-members of a religious group, it is you do get that kind of sour grapes vibe, and yeah. it, it's more of that rather than like, well, this is where it differs from the Bible, and this is where we can say doctrinally they made mistakes. So Correct. I'm yeah. glad we don't have that situation here, so we can kind of speak a little bit more uh, fair to the topic, as we should, uh, right. because it doesn't do anyone any good if you're just talking about yourself, you know? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, the the stuff that they mail out is. <laughs> Do they, do they do door knocking? Is it a literature thing that they just kind of hand those out? How does that work? I mean, I don't want to say they don't do door knocking because I'm sure they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most normative way that I've witnessed them evangelizing in America, at least, is you get that flyer in the mail mm-hmm. or that ad on Facebook. And they are promising to tell you the secrets of Revelation. It worked better in the past when more people were interested <laughs> in the Bible. Um, in general, <laughs> that's why the seventies were so hot, you know, mm. but, um, uh, that that's kind of their biggest thing. That's what they do. I don't think they've found another thing. I would be mm. interested to see if they do find another thing. Uh, that that's what they do. Yeah. I found a copy of, uh, the great controversy once at a Goodwill. Ooh. Uh, it was one of those, it didn't, it doesn't have an, uh, like a, it doesn't tell you who it's from. It didn't have any like information other than just the cover. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I picked it up just to I, – I, I thought I'm going to read through this book. Then I opened it, and I realized the font is like this big, and it's super <laughs> dead. So I was like, I'm never going to finish this book. Uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so s- since I didn't, uh, can you kind of explain um, the doctrinal foundation of, of the Seventh-day Adventist movement? What is the great controversy? Well, the great controversy, now that's fun to talk about. Um, my opinion of it and I think it's a good one is you've heard people say hyper Calvinist. Have you heard that term before? Mm-hmm. Right. What would you imagine a hyper Arminian to be? Um, that's, mm. that's the great controversy. Okay. So mm. basically what you have, <laughs> I'll tr- try to explain this fairly. Um, <laughs> uh, so a, a long time before the earth was created, um, God, the father, well, Ellen White says, uh, I'll read her words. Okay. okay. And, and Ellen can... White, uh, just to clarify, she is the prophetess of the Yes. Movement. Yes. Okay. This this is how she describes, um, and I'll give you the source, it says, the eternal father, the unchangeable one, gave his only begotten son, tore from his bosom him who was made in the express image of his person, and sent him down to earth to reveal how greatly he loved mankind. This is, is Advent Review and Sabbath Herald. Uh, the duty of the minister and the people, paragraph 14. I don't think I have the page on here. I need to fix that. But him who was made is my point here. Mm-hmm. And um, Arianism was big in early Adventism. And it reflects mm-hmm. in her writings too. So by the time she got to great controversy, she was actually a little bit more Trinitarian. Um, at least that's the version of it that was published. But you can see as, as part of this narrative, there's this time before creation Right. where Jesus was made. Now, mm-hmm. people will interpret made differently. Like if I bring that up to an Adventist, let's say that's not created. That's like you made this person your wife. You didn't create her. I'm like, oh, okay, well, okay. 
I'm not reading it that way, but that's usually the response I'll get. Um, another one that I like to point out is this quote from Patriarchs and Prophets, which is one of her bigger books on page 37 in the original publishing. She says, the exaltation of the son is equal with the father was represented as an injustice to Lucifer, who it was claimed was also entitled to reverence and honor. So the only reason I bring this up is to paint this picture that there's this pre-creation uh, conflict, okay, between okay. Jesus and um, uh, Satan. And uh, <clears throat> in, in any sense, when uh, sin happens, God's plan is to redeem his character, to to make his character known, to prove himself. And so there's this controversy between Satan and God, and you have the whole universe following on either side. That's why you have uh, angels who are cast out of heaven is because mm -hmm. they went with Satan and the other ones stayed with God. And there's other created planets too, by the way, it's not just earth. So there's other created planets across the universe who they never fell. Um, only we did huh. here on earth. Right. And so the, the goal of the cross and of Christ's ministry is to prove God's character and to make it known to you that, Hey, all that stuff Satan said about me, that's not true. This is who I am. And so that's kind of the great controversy motif. Um, you, my, my thing with it is there's really no place in there for a sovereign God. And it relies very right. heavily on man's will. It's very man centered. Hmm. It's just going a little bit further than I see people who have more of an Armenian point of view go. Um, in fact, I would say the great controversy is more compatible with open theism than it is Arminianism. That'd hmm. be my opinion. Hmm? But that, that's kind of the idea. The, the worst part about it is where it ties into the end of time. So something to keep in mind, they believe that there's a sanctuary in heaven, which there is. Right. But that the one on earth was an actual replica of the one in heaven. Okay. okay? And which uh, maybe it is. I don't know. But mm -hmm. um, uh, at any rate, uh, Due to a lot of their teachings about 1844 and the door being shut and other such things, they believe that in that year, 1844, uh, Jesus went from the holy place to the most holy place. And there's work that he's doing in the most holy place. And when he's done with it, probation closes. And everybody who's saved is saved and everybody who's lost is lost. Mm. And... Um, he takes the sins that he bore on the cross and places them on Satan and uh, sends him uh, into the lake of fire, which I find interesting that Satan bears our iniquities in this great yeah, controversy motif. Um, uh, and I use the word bear because that's what that's how she, she says places it upon him. So I don't want to make it more than that, you right, know, right. but um, I don't, that's, the, the justification they'll use for that biblically is Leviticus uh, 16, I believe, where it talks about the scapegoat, right? where they place the blood upon the scapegoat, and uh, they use this name, Azael, or something. I'm butchering yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so they say, well, the scapegoat is Satan. Um, now, if you know anything about typology, which I'm sure you do, um, uh, these things point to Jesus right. and how he bears our sins and takes them as far as the East is from the West. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. Um, so we're taking a, a Christological type and shadow and turning it into one about Satan. Hmm. Like what's your, 
hermeneutical exegetical license for that. I don't think right. you have one, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, does that give you a good picture of the great controversy? Does that answer yeah, your question? Yeah, it, it does. It, that's really interesting, especially the idea that God needs to vindicate his character. Uh, it, it's a very like a, a passive God, like, you know, what? a God who needs approval. If He's, you put it that way. He's simping for his bride. Let's just put it. That yes, way. there we go. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good way to put it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to go there, but no, no, because that I mean that is what it like that is kind of how it comes off. Like he has to justify himself to us. It's that's right. very strange. I thought I was supposed to answer to him. You know. Right, exactly. Yeah. Apparently, when when Paul says, "Who are you, O man, to speak back to God?" Apparently, everybody has a license to speak back to God. So, yeah. it sounds like it sounds like it sounds like the ultimate epit like epitome and pinnacle of getting God off the hook and try like <laughs> and that is that like that kind of uh, well, God can't be bad, and these things are bad. So, right. It, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of like what you were talking about, like Good Friday, or of like, uh, they it, it, Jesus wasn't supposed to die on the cross, right, 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 stuff, and it's like that was that was bad. That was just like it went wrong or something, and you know he was a victim, and all these things, and yeah, it's just that it, it seems to be going that way. And honestly, that is yeah, what we see in, in the evangelical world of. Um, yeah, just trying to get God off the hook and trying not to get like, well, that can't come from him. And what, what happens is, yeah, you get this weak God who, who like right. isn't isn't not sovereign, and right. so yeah. he's just passive and stuff. And it's like right. that's it, it, yeah, open theism is the ultimate end of that line of thinking, mm -hmm. right? Without a sovereign God, he's either sovereign or not. So that's the opposite ways. So that's mm -hmm. crazy. So uh, during that explanation, we said this is what she said. This is what she whatever. Uh, let's let's talk about the she in, in that whole equation. Uh, Ellen White, the prophetess. Well, the most fair way to start with talking about Ellen White is their um, fundamental beliefs. They recent. So just to explain, the fundamental beliefs is the closest thing the Adventists have to an official uh, confession. So okay. if you want to represent them uh, fairly. Um, uh, you really want to start there, okay? So to start there with Ellen White, because if you just start up with Ellen White off the bat, they'll be thinking, oh, we don't see her like like Joseph Smith is seen by the mm, Mormons. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Right. Um, so it's best to kind of start with uh, what they do say in their um, fundamental beliefs. And I'll okay. just read it to you real quick, if that's okay. Yeah. It's number 18, titled The Gift of Prophecy. It says, the scriptures testify that one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is prophecy. The gift is, or this gift is an identifying mark of the remnant church. Uh, that's a loaded term, by the way. Mm. And we believe it was manifested in the ministry of Ellen G. White. Her writings speak with prophetic authority and provide comfort, guidance, instruction, and correction to the church. They also make clear that the Bible is the standard by which all teaching and experience must be tested. So when I read that, I'm hearing you're saying she's speaking with prophetic authority mm -hmm. uh, and that her writings, I mean, comfort, I'm not going to dispute that. I can find comfort in Joel Osteen. I mean, right, right. You know, <laughs> um, guidance, well, how do you mean that? 
but instruction and correction, I think, are mm. stronger. So uh, what I use is her words to define what she says of herself. How does she define her own prophetic authority? Mm. Okay. Um, so I have another quote for you here. I'm sorry it's so long, um, but the first thing you're going to be accused of whenever you quote Adventist stuff is taking it out of context. Mm. So I'm trying very hard not to do that, but I mean, you can never put it in context to what they want, but <laughs> I'm going to try. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah, it's fine. about a paragraph or so it's from Ellen G White selected messages, mm. book one, page 27. Mm. It says I wrote many pages to be read at your camp meeting weak and trembling. I arose at three o'clock in the morning to write to you. God was speaking through clay. You might say that this communication was only a letter. Yes, it was a letter, but prompted by the spirit of God to bring before your minds things that had been shown me. In these letters, which I write and the testimonies I bear, I am presenting to you that which the Lord has presented to me. I do not write one article in the paper expressing merely my own <clears throat> ideas. They are what God has opened before me in Vision, the precious rays of light shining from the throne. Mm. So she's saying that her words are precious rays of light shining from the throne. Anytime she's writing pen to paper. Now, I'll be charitable in assuming she means only things written in a religious context. Um, not that her grocery lists are inspired or <laughs> something like that. You know, right. but that's the standard I judge her by. So mm. I'm going to read her words and compare them to scripture. Mm. and uh, test them, um, everything she said. Because usually when you talk to Adventists, at least my experience is, and, and even myself, I used to do this, I'd just walk her back. You know, well, that part's inspired, but that's not. Mm. Um, well, very, the stuff very, that matches the Bible. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff that matches the Bible is inspired, but the things that don't, well, you could say that about anything. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so um, I said, well, what does she say about mm. her inspired words? And she says it all is. It, it should all be considered to be from God. Mm. That's her standard. So I, I think that's how we should evaluate her. Mm. And, um, and and that's the approach I take in my blog. And that does sound very Brigham Young, right? He had the whole quote about, you know, no. Mm. I'm sorry. You froze there, Julian. Oh, he was about to hit it out of the park, too. I know. <laughs> well, Brigham Young. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, oh, man. He's frozen. Uh, what's going on? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Uh, I, I have a question while we're waiting. Um, yes, so when we talk with Mormons a lot, especially young Mormons, you, they, they tend not to know a lot of their own doctrine or a lot of like the history of Joseph Smith or any of those things or not, not even in a way to, to speak against it or to defend it or anything. They just don't know. And so a lot of times when you're witnessing to a Mormon, you almost have to convert them to Mormonism before, <laughs> <laughs> before you, you know, witness to them. Cause it's like, they just don't even, they're, they're like, Oh, I don't know. I've never heard that before. Or I don't, you know, it's like, Dude, right. this is like in your Doctrine and Covenants stuff. Like this is, yeah, you know, crazy stuff. And and just like stuff about Joseph Smith, you know, being arrested for 
fortune telling and crystal ball gazing and weird stuff like that. And they just never heard of these things. And so right. is, is you get a lot of that with Adventism and like, just not knowing a lot about Ellen White or like just kind of, yeah, yeah we're, we're Jesus and Bible and Christian. And right. you use all the kind of words, the common social words, but you don't get into like the real, where does it all come from? What does this mean? You know? It, see right now, what we've been talking about is stuff for theology wonks. Like, the three of us, you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, but when you're talking to your typical Adventist, they probably, maybe their grandma read Ellen White, but they haven't, mm. you know, um, that that's just uh, uh, whatever matriarch in their family is probably read all of Ellen White's books, but, but nobody else has. Uh, and, and, and that's exactly the case. They're not even going to defend her. Mm-hmm. Um, you're only going to be using this Ellen White stuff on uh, really hardcore Adventists. Mm. And they're not going to hear you. <laughs> so they but, wouldn't appeal to Ellen White as like, well, no, Ellen White says da da da, and that's what we believe. Like, what from would time they... to time, yeah. Okay. You, like it'll be stray stuff. They'll say like Ellen White says you shouldn't uh, use vinegar or something, or or like they'll they'll pick some random thing that she said, but yeah. they've never never actually read her books. You know, yeah. hmm. um, most of the Adventists you encounter, it'll be kind of that approach. Usually, the thing that they're going to be most concerned about is food laws big time because uh, and you'll see it come up because they'll be picking the pepperoni off their pizza if they're a, a bad ventist like me <laughs> um you know uh I, I didn't follow all the rules i'd, I'd pick it yeah, off i wouldn't insist on a cheese pizza you know <laughs> <laughs> but um uh the other one you'll see is the sabbath um, mm. and, and you know even though i'm critical of the sabbath uh in, in their opinion on it um that's not like my number one concern, you know, like lots of people are Sabbatarian. I mean, I don't agree, but it's not an essential, you know? Right. Uh, But for them, it's a big deal. That's what I thought the difference was. That was kind of like just the short little, Oh, they meet on Saturday. And it's like, Oh, okay. It's like, well, cause they're used to, and they just still kind of do. It's like, right. Okay. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, well, Sabbath, like Sunday, you know, there's nothing holy about the day or whatever. It's just the time of rest. And, you know, and it's like, okay, the seventh, sure. You know, just a Saturday, whatever. Like, I, I didn't, that's how it was kind of presented to me. So, yeah, because I, I just went to the Seventh-day Adventist website, and I was like, they're pushing that hard. They're pushing, like, <laughs> <the> Saturday <laughs> hard. And uh, I was like, okay, well, you know, uh, that seems like not a big, it seems like an open-handed issue, kind of like we were talking about. And then, you right. know, so that's how it's presented, I guess. Well, so if you're going to engage with an Adventist on the Sabbath, the best thing you'll want to study is the New Covenant. Okay. Now, you, you probably haven't had a need to really study it if you grew up at a uh, normal Sunday keeping Christian church. Um, but the New Covenant is a really big deal in the Bible. It's what divides the Old Covenant Torah from the New Covenant laws that the apostles taught. And when the apostles teach us, uh, you know, things that are right and wrong. The day you go to church is never really a major topic. We'll see that they go to church. Well, they, they seem to break bread on Sundays, right. you know? Now, Adventists will dispute that first, but but <laughs> they're wrong. Uh, they, they were breaking <laughs> bread on Sunday. <laughs> um, and uh, you'll see Paul say things like, you know, don't judge people for the, what they eat or drink or, right. or uh, what day. Yeah, they, they, you'll see things like that. Um, but uh, like if 
the Sabbath was really supposed to be the final test of mankind, the big divider on who's sealed by God and who's receiving the mark of the beast. If it really was this big deal in the end of time, you'd think it'd be mentioned um, at, at, at all, you know, uh, but it, it isn't. Um, even in Revelation, it's it's not brought up at all. Um, so... Yeah. So yeah, we 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 do. We this reminds me of the Torah observant Christians. Yes. Yes. Right. We, we were pretty familiar with, and yeah. they you know they're actually more like, consistent. <laughs> oh, <Sorry. okay. laughs> yeah. That's what I was. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. I was like, so it's like the Sabbath and like food laws. I was like, what about like the feasts and what about uh, other things that Torah kind of the Torah observant people really push because they're not Seventh Day Adventists but they're Torah observant, and right. you know yeah like I said they're more like hey the whole thing like. Kind of let's let's do it all. But so why so why just kind of pinpoint those things for Adventists and, mm. and not the whole law? Like to answer your question, they say that the Ten Commandments are the moral law, okay, and the rest of the Torah is ceremonial law only. And they really press this concept hard, like as a well, I'm going to say the word eisegesis. They, mm -hmm. they eisegete it into all of these texts when you go forward into the New Testament. Mm -hmm. This distinction that I just defined between the moral law and the ceremonial law. Now, moral and ceremonial are theological terms that many right. upstanding traditions use. There, there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with saying those words. Yeah. But just arbitrarily defining the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 as it's presented as the moral law is wrong. Uh, it's not that simple. It's not right. that simple at all. Um, so, uh, I mean, a better way of doing it would be to juxtapose what the apostles teach after the cross and what the Torah teaches in the Torah. And, mm -hmm. and the, where you have like a Venn diagram overlay of prescriptive teaching, that would be your moral law. And when you do that, mm -hmm. you don't have a, a Sabbath observance. Jesus is your Sabbath. He's ah. our rest. The right. rest that we were given was pointing to him and what he would do for us. And when you cling to that shadow, that, yeah. that typology, mm -hmm. you're losing the substance in a sense, you know, right. I don't want to go all the way with that and say that none of them believe in Jesus. Okay. Right. But, yeah. but <laughs> there, there's a, you lose something. Um, right. and, and that's what was important to me when um, I converted was I'm clinging to Christ and not a day. Mm -hmm. And I really felt that that was, because the, the Sabbath was my end times insurance. I could hold on to that and I would know mm -hmm. that at least I was going to be better off than y'all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, uh, when you get when you lose that, you find yourself just clinging to Jesus mm. instead. And mm. maybe that's the point. You know? Mm, that's yeah. a really good way to put it. That's that's well said. Um, one of the things that about that Sabbath, because I know it's, it's, it's a smaller point, but I'm just curious. I've had I've talked to an Adventist about it before, and they tend to hold kind of the all the kind of fringe group ideology that well the Sunday worship came from Constantine at the Council of Nicaea, right? Right? Why? Right. Where do they where do they get that idea from? Well, I mean, let's be fair. All the cults hit on uh, Constantine. He's right. the whipping boy of the cults. It's yes. easy to <laughs> say anything you want about Constantine because so little is actually written down. I mean, you can True. say almost anything you want my understanding and i'm no historian but i did look into this you know when i was converting mm. and what i found anyways was he made um 
uh, Christianity legal. Yes. And he, he made it legal uh, to to uh, worship on Sunday, which Christians have been doing for a long time, by the way. See, right. Adventists, at least when I was growing up, I don't know if they do this anymore, but the ones I knew in my experience would present it like all of Christians were keeping the Sabbath on Saturday until Constantine and yes. the Pope changed it to Sunday. Okay. But right. you'll find Justin Martyr. Right. Um, and a few others that uh, I can't remember, but there's direct quotes where they're talking about Sunday as the eighth day of creation, where we're a new mm. creation in Christ, where the right. first day of the week they is their common assembly and other such right. things. And you will find Sabbatarians of the early church, just like you do today. Mm -hmm. They exist. Uh, but Constantine didn't force it. He just made it legal. Right. Um, and I think what confuses people is there was a, the separation between church and state didn't exist back then. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and so when there is kind of a meld of the two back then, and I think that's where we get a lot of these um, ideas from, but um, yeah, it, it's just, you can't really put it all on Constantine the Pope because you do see Christians observing Sunday before them mm -hmm. and which would be an anachronism to port that back into the first century. Right. It, it was more yeah. of Constantine conforming to the religion that he converted to as opposed to him converting the religion to his, that's to a, his standards. That's a really good point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Monotheism being about, a prime example. Right, yeah. <laughs> People say the same about um, the Trinity. I'm like, oh, that was something that was made up at the Council mm. of Nicaea. And it's like, no, no, like that was, that was when it was like cemented. Like th that's the thing. It was like, it was always a thing until Arianism reared his head and it's like became like not a thing. And then now it's like, wait, 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 wait. right. It's like, <laughs> so we didn't have to write this down, but now you have these people thinking that, you know, there's three right. people. Like, and so now, okay, we have to write this down. And so when they did that, and when they had the council, when they set it like in stone, that was, oh, they made it up. No, that's when they just like locked it in because they didn't need to before, well, you know, and so, but it was already being done. They believed open, in the Trinity. Open theism is a new heresy. Why don't we see anybody rebuking it in the fifth century? Well, because nobody started talking about open theism mm. until the 20th century. You know mm. what I'm saying? Right, like, right. Just to reiterate mm. your point. Right. <laughs> so on right. that subject, though, of, of the Trinity, because a, a lot of the cults do have strange ideas about the Godhead and what it imparts yes. and, and how it works. Um, what, what's the, the Adventist understanding of the Godhead and kind of on the Holy Spirit, too? Because I know with witnesses, it's a force. Um, I really yeah. don't know what Mormons think about the Holy Spirit. So wh what's the, the Adventist understanding of all that? So, um, you know, uh, the, the Adventists are probably a lot closer to Orthodoxy on the Trinity than most cults. Okay. okay. But I, I don't give them a, a, a pass on it because of two reasons. Um, I, I have their fundamental belief right here, and I'll read it to you. It says, there is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit a unity of co or of three co-eternal persons. God is immortal, all powerful, all knowing above all and ever present. He is infinite beyond human comprehension yet known through his self revelation. God who is love is forever worthy of worship, adoration and service by the whole creation. Now I don't actually have a problem with any of these words. There's nothing right. in here I'm going to say is wrong. What I noticed they're leaving out though. And you know, if it was, like a, a random Baptist church, we believe page. Okay. Mm -hmm. I would probably give them a pass on it, but with Adventists, because I know more about what they believe, I don't, they leave mm -hmm. out same substance. 
Mm. Now, same substance is a creedal term. Okay. So if somebody right. doesn't want to say same substance, I'm not going to get hung up on that, even though I prefer the creeds, but I understand why some don't. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, a good way of just sidestepping that is like where it says that the fullness of the Godhead dwelled within him bodily. Right, right. Okay. That would be, that would be the verse I would use to support same substance. So I don't mind if somebody just quotes it, you know, mm, Okay. but they're leaving that out here. And the reason I think they do, and I think I have a good reason for thinking that is in Ellen White's heavenly narratives, which I loved as a kid. Okay. Mm. You get to see like what happened in heaven before the earth was created. It's in her mm. books. She details it all. And <laughs> you see the father walking around in a body, for example, and the hmm. son walking around in a body and they talk to people and they do things and they're here and they're there and they're in the garden having a conversation and so on and so forth. Hmm. Now in the scripture, it says that God is spirit. We don't see yeah. God with a body right. until the incarnation. Yes. Right. right. So what you have in her narratives is three beings united in purpose and love. Okay. Not three, not one being Mm. with three persons you right, see what right, i'm saying right. yes um and they've written this in a way that is compatible with her narratives mm. so that's my objection and that's why i say they have trinity issues mm. um and uh that that's why i'm so harsh on their trinity doctrine even though when you read it yeah doesn't sound that bad. You yeah, know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, as you're reading it to the ear test, it didn't sound crazy. It's like, well, no, okay. it's not. It, all, it yeah. sounds pretty, pretty kosher. They've done that on purpose, I'm sure. No, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, it'd be nice. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you, you should, if you don't agree with her writings on these heavenly narratives, it's kind of incumbent upon you to say so. Mm. You know, especially when you're reading it to your kids and you're teaching it to them. And mm. yeah, uh, it, it's kind of uh, incumbent upon you to say that it's wrong. Mm. Mm. So uh, and maybe not for laity. I get it. But we're talking about theologians who went to seminary, who've read this stuff. They know better and they're choosing not to. Mm. And so mm. them I do blame. I mm. do blame them. You know, uh, maybe your local uh youth pastor and maybe not you know <laughs> but, <laughs> but um uh, the ones who are uh, accountable for writing these uh fundamental beliefs yeah i i'm not so uh forgiving for them hmm. so what would so, you say is the eschatology of of seventh yes. day you said this uh, saturday is kind of like your like a end times yeah pillar yeah. you know so a big thing to understand is uh sabbath is the seal of god Okay, so you're still saved by faith right now, okay? <laughs> but at the close of probation, when Jesus is done reviewing uh, the book of life, where he decides you know, who gets into heaven and who doesn't, um, when he's done reviewing that book, um, the probation closes. Mm -hmm. And uh, whoever is keeping the Sabbath is sealed and whoever is worshiping on Sunday, because they believe at one point in the future, um, the beast, the Pope, is going to enact a global Sunday law where everybody has to go to church on Sunday, even Muslims. Um, and uh, yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if you're obeying that, then that's the mark of the beast. And uh, if you're everybody else is sealed. And of course, all us Sunday keepers, we're going to hunt down the, especially me. Cause I'll be telling you where all their hiding spots are. And um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, we're going to go after them 
and uh, that 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 and uh, kill them. Yeah, they believe we're wow. going to uh, uh, kill them all. And uh, at the last moment, before all the Aventists are wiped out, you're going to have the second coming. Mm-hmm. So uh, they put the millennium after that. Um, the millennium to them is a thousand years that we spend in heaven where we mourn what's happened and we are happy for the future and we get to read the book of life and see what all, why all our friends aren't there that we thought would be there. And, uh, then after that, they believe new Jerusalem is built on earth and that, uh, this is where they put in revelation 20, I think where, where, uh, um, you know, the devil and all of his people rise up and come and attack the holy city. And, right, right. and then, yeah, so they, they do it like that. Um, yeah. It's not really, uh, so it's, I mean, it's so a post-millennialism. No, no rapture. No, no rapture. rapture. Okay. Tribulation time and like on earth or like, or no, no. that's a, no, it's just no. a thousand year reign in heaven. And then the, yeah, the, the, the Gigantic the tribulation is is me and you persecuting now. them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's okay. <what> that is. <laughs> huh. Okay. Yeah, it's that's it's kind good. of a weird meld of post and pre millennialism in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, um. Yeah. So that so when you talk about that, like in like the the seal, I'm I'm guessing that means like the seventh seal, right? And then maybe that no. being like the seventh day or something or like the no no there's this passage in revelation where it says that uh the seal is placed on them or something right right where the uh the angels told to go and mark those faithful to god with the seal on their forehead before the uh seventh seal is is broken and so i i mean something that just gave great comfort to me i guess when i was converting uh, was these three verses. I hope you don't mind if I read at least no, one absolutely. of them. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, sorry, I was on a King James kick at the time, so it's King James. <laughs> we all go right. through it. This was mine, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm done with it now. <laughs> okay. It says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel mm. of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye Yea, were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, mm. which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. And here's a shorter one. That was Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. This one's Ephesians 4, 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22. Now he which establish us with you in Christ and hath anointed us, is God who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the spirit in our hearts. So when you're indwelt by God, the Holy spirit, you're sealed. That's that. That's what revelation is talking about. It's not something you do. It's something God does to you. So that's um, again, that, that uh, assurance, you know, uh, in God's word and what he's promised to do to you. Not something you're, because here's the thing about the Sabbath. I hope you don't mind if I rant, but yeah, as much as Adventists talk about the Sabbath, there really is no unified confession on what it is to keep it mm. Mm. Um, at all. That's interesting. Now, your pastor will tell you his opinion, and church lady will tell you her opinion, and your mother will tell you her opinion, um, but everybody's opinion is different. I mean, like when the VCR was a big deal, there was a big debate in my church growing up about whether recording your favorite shows on the Sabbath was 
constituted as a maidservant or manservant. And the, the <laughs> congregation like divided on that one. Wow. And half of them were recording and half of them weren't. And I mean, only one side can be right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so half of us are going to get the mark of the beast because we're, we picked the wrong one, you know? <laughs> wow. That's so, funny. You have, like, do like the Jews do and hire like a Goya to come in and like turn on your yeah, lights. Turn it out to record it for you. <laughs> you know, it, at least they have a rabbinic tradition and they have, you know, the Talmud and right, they have right. like a lot more details. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> and loopholes. All of the head loopholes. Like, yeah, it's like what it's like the, the main part of Judaism is like just finding the loopholes around. <laughs> like, how well, do I shave? The... Well, how can, you know? <laughs> I, I remember I had it explained to me one time when they were talking about you know work is that if, if you needed to move something from a cart, you weren't allowed to take it off of the cart and put it on the ground because unloading is work. You weren't allowed to put it from the ground to the cart because loading is work. But you were allowed to move it from cart to cart. That didn't count as work. So just like in real estate, it's all location, location, location. <laughs> That's what matters. <laughs> wow. Well, you know what? Uh, kudos to them for working it out, at least. You know? like. <laughs> so on that on that kind of topic, is, is there – because usually, you know, when, when you talk about – different cult groups and they do have a prophet they have some kind of continuing oversight body right like uh yes. mormonism so has the presidency and everything and they still have the line of prophets is there anything close to that in adventism there was a woman who claimed to be continuing ellen white's ministry after she died i i don't oh one of ellen white's visions was that she would live into the last day by the way that, oh. uh, that's <laughs> fun yeah um but <laughs> No, my understanding, and, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but it's not on purpose. Um, the general conference or whatever, uh, they're the ones who, um, are, they confess present truth. They vote on it. So mm, there's this okay. concept of present truth. And what they're saying is true for today. Okay. Mm. So truth is a more malleable term that you might be accustomed <laughs> yeah, to right. working with. Okay? On my left is. It's... It's less, I mean, it's kind of popish, but it's honestly, yeah. the Catholics yeah. do it better. I, I'm not going to lie. They do right. it better. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a more formal structure to it. And they <laughs> produce better documents than the 28 fundamental beliefs. I mean, those documents, you can tell when you read them that they're written to resolve their own conflicts between their conservatives <laughs> and liberals today. Um, mm. So they're making them as kind of weak as possible, you know, yeah. um, and poorly defined. Um but yeah, they have this this body that that publishes that, and uh, they're sort of the final authority on that document and other things. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. It seems like the vagueness is intentional, and not not just to mm -hmm. not not for the convenience of it, but maybe it's, it's thinking like, well, if we are more strict and rigid on things, then we do see more cultish and like uh, totalitarian sort of like group rather than like well. These are that's some people believe that, but that, that's okay. We don't, or like you know, like you said, if you ask church lady, if you ask the pastor, yes, yes whatever. And so that it seems like that vagueness makes it seem safer, I guess, or something in that way of like, well, it's just Christian, but we don't really know, so let's it's okay, you know, right? 
But if the rules are vague, then God's holiness is vague. Right. Like, these are important things. Like, That's, not yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, you like, think, uh, do you think maybe in some ways the vagueness comes from the Millerite tradition and, like, the fear of being, like, don't say a definite thing because if we're wrong, we're going to look bad. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know. Uh, my impression with it is um, uh, there's a lot of internal conflicts going on in Adventism right now. And there has been for a while. Right now they're fighting about women's ordination, I believe. Okay. Uh, uh, that's a big one. And mm -hmm. um, even though one side will win, the other never gives up right and they're pushing mm. so a lot of their wording on things is to they want to keep it together okay they want to keep adventism together they right. don't want to split off and have an elca adventism and a mm -hmm. lcms adventism you know what i'm saying right, they, right. they want to keep them as one so i think this is just my opinion but i think a lot of it is written for that conflict not mm. necessarily for what you and i think about it okay. um uh for better or for worse that, that's what I think it is. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so I have a question. Yes, sir. David Koresh. <laughs> uh, so, so he was a Branch Davidian, I believe, right? Right. Well, he so started we, Branch Davidian. Or oh, not okay. Started, okay. He, well, well, yeah. So I understood that to be like an offshoot of Seventh-day yes, Adventist with a, with a very similar sounding eschatology as far yes. as that goes. So my, my, my understanding is you're absolutely right. Um, it, it, it was exactly that. They, he was an offshoot of an offshoot of Adventism, which is technically an offshoot. So I don't know how many times removed that. Is. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the anthropology aspect sounded so. Dave Chris was the yes. uh, Waco right. crazy, mm -hmm. you know, compound thing that happened with all the insanity of just like gunfire. Yeah. Like it was pretty insane. They drove the tank into that compound and just yeah. killed a bunch of people. Yeah. It was, it was horrible, but yeah. Cult leader, David Koresh, um, branch Davidian. Yeah. Like just typical kind of cultish sleeping with everybody's wife, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> compound. Who goes so, along with that? I'm like, it always ends there. It always gets to that point. God told right. me to sleep with all your wives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it always goes there. Um, right. But yeah. So like, but the I remember hearing the conversations with the negotiator that he was talking about, and he wanted to get somebody on to like explain the whole uh, the opening of the seven seals, and this is going to happen. And you know, I think they thought that they were like, "This is it. We're we're fighting." You know. Well. And, <laughs> So here's yeah. a big difference, though. Uh, Adventism, for all the seals and everything, they use a more classical historicist interpretation of mm. that. Okay. Yeah. They do. So <laughs> they're, they're not reading in um, modern events into the seals. Mm. They're reading in like, oh, this is the French Revolution. And you'll notice it all ah. kind of stops at the 19th century. Like the whole right. <laughs> <'cause that's... laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it's uh, – they use a historicist view. I don't know how familiar okay. you are with that. I got problems yeah. with it, but it's not. Um, uh, I mean, if you're just talking about historicism on its own, it's just another interpretation of Revelation is what right. it amounts to, you know. Right. right. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, yeah. I want to know about these other planets. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> so I, that's, that's a new. It sounds like when when you said it and you said oh, these planets hadn't fallen. It sounded like a C.S. Lewis space trilogy. 
Right. It, yeah, it's it sounds like a really good book, is what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's a little bit of controversy on that one, which you'll find interesting. Uh, the original vision, and I don't, I don't think I harp on this one in my blog because it could fairly be interpreted the way they want it to. But if you read the whole context around this vision, um, there was a astronomer who came to visit or something. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to impress him. She wanted to convince him. Um, so she starts describing what was known about Jupiter at the time. Okay. And then he identifies it as Jupiter, and everybody agrees. She's having this vision of Jupiter. There's four moons around Jupiter, because at the time they believed there's four moons around Jupiter. And she uh, you know, lands on this planet, and she visits Enoch, and she talks to him. And he's just right. chilling on this planet with four moons. Um, and, uh, so now they'll say, no, that's not Jupiter. It's another planet with four moons somewhere. That guy just thought it was Jupiter. Okay, whatever. But, um, yeah, so she's talking about how she's on this planet. She's talking to Enoch and she's talking to other people and they have a tree of life on their planet, uh, mm. the, or a tree of like, uh, the one from Genesis. I forget what it's called right now, but uh, knowledge of good and evil. That's it. Right. They have one there and just nobody's ever bitten the fruit and it's just mm. sitting there because remember this plan you know, everybody has to have free will and a free choice. So we're just the only ones who ever ate the fruit. Hmm. Yeah. So hmm. that's, uh, that, that's kind of, how they do it. That's kind of uh, Mormonish as far as other planets with other uh, people on it. <sighs> well, I mean, that, that would be other gods, I guess, also. Well, he um, thought it out better, to be honest with you, because, he, <laughs> he, he you know, he has um, all of us coming from this god who came from another planet who converted right. more yeah you, so he kind of and he has all he says like all uh beings are immortal or something and like i mean he really works out his, well, his we science were, fiction better you know we were like, saying a couple of weeks ago joseph smith was a terrible prophet but he would have been a great comic book writer he would have yes <laughs> yeah. like he's got the multiverse down he just he put it in the wrong place yeah. well and that, that, is, that is what's weird because yeah you get yeah, and it is that it comes back to that free will thing or or sovereign God thing yes. also because yeah it's like I remember thinking like well what are, are, like aliens are there other intelligent beings on other planets and it's like well I don't think so because I think we would have been that God would have mentioned it and yeah. what about their salvation and what about their you know fall or their sin or their whatever like we have. I mean, for the sovereign God, it makes sense. Without without that, it is just like, oh, they made it, they didn't kind of thing. And that's what they believe today. I think a lot of free will people is like, well, they just believed right. And these people didn't believe, you know, they had the capacity, but they didn't do it, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that's, so, it, so it, again, it's on us, not God. Get right. God off the hook. It's us. <laughs> <I know. laughs> well, and, and like, uh, I, I mean, the incarnation. You know, because if you have, uh, you know, Klingons on this planet and humans on this one, right. um, you know, mm. Christ came in human flesh and died right. for humans. So I mm. guess the, the Klingons are all, uh, they're just screwed, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, that, and that, that's what's interesting about like Jupiter, because uh, I was reading something about Mars recently and how, yeah, like a couple hundred years ago or, or how, like in the 1800s, they they thought they had like very blurry images like the first like kind of images of close-up of mars they thought they saw forests and like all they're like oh man there's like something there you know like we're gonna find some kind of civilization and stuff and that's like when the movies came out and like 
Mars, you know, the uh, War of the Worlds and stuff. And, you know, it's kind of like built up all that, like alien invasion stuff. Uh, <laughs> and then we got like, we got better pictures and it's just like huge letdown. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's just like, <laughs> 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 like, yeah. crap, I, nothing there. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. believe God made it for us to look at. I right. know some people find that underwhelming, but I really don't. I, I just, wow. He cared that much about our view, mm. you know? Yeah. I That's mean, a, and yeah, just like getting around too. I mean, navigation and, and different things with the stars and exactly. planets and, you know, that was become pretty handy. We could kind of use those before technology <laughs> to get around. And ships and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And it, it just underlines that whenever we go up there and there's just nothing, there's rocks and dirt, mm. you know? Um, yeah. you're expecting all this transcendent meeting and the only meeting you have in space is what you bring with you. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, you know, uh, well, so, uh, you know, they always talk about like, well, it could have had water or it could have, you know, had, had this. And they've like found other planets that are very similar to earth. And, you know, so they're, they're doing this kind of peeking into different planets and, and, and kind of speculating on, on, on its history. And you get too close to that though, because, Life on Earth is the only like unrepeatable, you know, scientific thing. Like we'll, we'll accept it without it ever having been repeated again. Mm, right. Right. Uh -huh. It can't be. It's like, what are you going to do? Get another billion years? It's like, well, we, yeah. have other, <laughs> well, it's like we have other planets who have been around as long as we have, may have had water. Mm -hmm. Mustn't they have life? Like it's right. longer, longer, right? But presumably by billions of years. That's what they say. Right. So, so you get too uh, close to that kind of stuff. We must find at least remnants of life, right? Did you see okay. Did you see Man of Steel? No, uh, Superman? The yes. Yeah, Henry Cavill. Yes. yes. I did. I, I think, yeah, I, I did. Remember how Krypton spread out across the galaxy and they had colonies here and colonies mm -hmm. there and spaceships over here because they were millions upon millions of years old and they had been right. an advanced civilization for a very long time. So there's lots of evidence of them scattered everywhere. So right. if there's billions upon billions of stars that are many billions of years older than us, we shouldn't be looking for alien life mm. if it can spontaneously appear. It should be obvious. That's right. the Fermi's paradox. And yes, there are right. there are replies to it, but they're not they're not very good ones in my opinion. Mm. Um, right. Yeah. Well, it's, the thing about aliens is interesting, especially when you talk about Fermi's paradox and the, the Voyager one and two and the golden disc that they sent out and everything. Mm -hmm. I think it's funny because it's this need for us to be like, there has to be something more out there, right? <laughs> but in an atheistic sense, right? It can't mm -hmm. be God. The transcendence isn't right. God. It's something else. There's got to be something out there right. and we got to reach out for it. We're just not willing to, to say, well, it's God. It's well, got to be something yeah, naturalistic. Well, yeah, yeah, like the ideas of like aliens coming down and like, well, they're much more advanced and then they see these apes and so they put some sort of consciousness device into right. yes. humanity and stuff. It's like, okay, <laughs> you're willing to believe that. Yes, <laughs> right. But, but, it's, but, but here's the thing. There's no accountability in that. Right. right? That's so, they, so they will literally believe anything without accountability. Mm. That, that is, it's not that God and Christ, is um, the story of Christianity is unbelievable. That's not why they don't believe it. They believe it because mm -hmm. then I'm a sinner yes. and they don't want that. If there's aliens coming, well, you know, that's cool. That's great. Awesome. You know, we, we rode here on the back of a meteor from another planet and that with the prime, got into the primordial ooze and that's where human, you know, we'll believe that crystals on the back of a meteor, you know, but uh, accountability. <laughs> nah, like, no, that, that's what, that's what keeps people from believing in mm. God. Yeah. So I, I kind of want to get into your your personal story in this sense. Uh, what was the 
What was the moment and what was the thing that first made you think maybe this isn't quite right? Yeah, okay, same thing. So, well, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Before that happened, I stopped attending mm, okay. uh, church almost altogether uh, because the Adventist church was so far away. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the place I moved into, um, uh, the nearest Adventist church was like an hour away. <laughs> and so we, we kind of just stopped going, to be honest with you. And uh, which you can't go to a Sunday church because that's the mark of the beast. So you just right. don't go to church kind of uh, mm, sometimes I wonder if that's God's design. Like he wanted Thank to God well. for that commute. That yeah. <laughs> 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 but at any rate, um, uh, one day me and my dad were uh, painting um, uh, the, my house. We were just painting, just doing work. Mm. And we started talking about the state of the dead. Adventists don't believe mm. in the human soul. They believe your base. Well, they don't say it this way, but the easiest way for me to describe it is a meat machine. You just, okay. your soul is that you have breath in your lungs. You don't have an immaterial soul. Okay. Um, but neither me and my dad had been um, going to church for a while. And uh, I told him, I we were talking about that. And I was like, you know, I, I read this verse that kind of made me question that and uh let me look it up and i'll tell you what i find and i found this website called um xadventist.com maybe they still exist but on it there was this document called conversations with a seventh-day adventist uh it was by a baptist pastor actually i can't remember his name he's long dead now but what it was was the New Covenant. He got in a conversation with the Seventh-day Adventist and started talking about the New Covenant. See, I had only been taught what Sunday Keepers believe from an Adventist perspective. Uh, yes. They believe that that um, that uh, Sunday Keepers believe that the Sabbath changed from Saturday to Sunday, which some do, okay? But mm-hmm. it's not true that they all believe that. Right, right. And what I was seeing in this document was just this exposition of the New Covenant against the old and how the old is obsolete. It's old. Mm. And we have the new covenant now and the Sabbath just isn't part of that. And he, he used it by quoting verses that said exactly what he believed. And Mm. I know that sounds trite, but (laughs) you got to understand my training as an Adventist was this is, here's this thing you need to understand before you read this verse Mm, and then understand through the verse, through that thing. Okay. Very, very papal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I was very good at remembering all those like motifs that you have to carry with you on how to properly interpret any particular verse that bugs you. And um, uh, what I saw this author doing was he wasn't doing that. He was just, well, he was doing exegesis. I just didn't know what that was at the time. Okay. And um, it honestly, I was up all night reading that thing. It blew me away. Um, And uh it just kind of started from there. I got in touch with a group of people called Former Adventist Fellowship, um, and uh, uh, they were very helpful. They were only uh, ten minutes away, right? Oh hour. no, they were they were four hours away, dude. And oh. I drove all the way down there. <laughs> I was so afraid when I'd walk in the door that I'd see like a glowing six 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 on their forehead, but. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Um, they're just really, really good. They do conferences every year and they mm-hmm. help, uh, uh, Adventists, um, convert, <laughs> cool. uh, all over the world. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's a really good ministry. That's cool. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, that was really, yeah. the that's thing. the new covenant. That's really mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Oh, 
you think that's kind of everything, right? I mean, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, reading the Bible and not catching the new covenant is like reading a tale of two cities and thinking it's about two cities. Yeah, you know? I would think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking about, like with the Torah observant, or like, did they just like ignore Hebrews? Like, I mean, that seems like a big one to just be like, hey, this that that was the. That was the dress rehearsal. This is the main play. This is the main event, you know? <laughs> well, well, you, you got to understand, Hebrews is all about the investigative judgment. Mm. <laughs> so, Remember that motif you got to read it in? <laughs> yeah. What exactly is the – okay, so he, he goes into the Holy of Holies. That's the uh -huh. investigative judgment. Yes. What, is he, what is he doing? So just, just to tell you a little bit more – they predicted that Jesus was going to come in 1844 and that didn't happen. Right. So then this guy named Hiram Edson had a vision in a cornfield where he said, Jesus is doing the investigative judgment. I simplify, but that's basically it. And Ella White said, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so the investigative judgment. Yes. He's in the Holy of Holies and he's doing the paperwork. Basically he has the, the, <laughs> the, the book of life or whatever. And he's going through it. He's seeing everything you've ever done. And he has a reporting angel checking on you to make sure you, that you're not sinning. And any sin you do gets reported. And then when you pray for forgiveness, it gets wiped off. And mm. it's kind of going back and forth right? until either you reach your individual probation or you die or probation happens. Mm. Um, your individual probation, for example, would be if you're like me and you leave Adventism. Now I'm unsavable. I, mm. I can't even uh, go back if I wanted to, according to her. Oh, angel. wow. Yeah. If yeah. I did, they'd find some way of saying that I never really left. But, mm. you know, that's. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. But uh, yeah, that that's that's kind of how it works. And once he's done, he he closes the book. Uh, probation is closed. And now he's basically on his way back to Earth. And it's however long that takes. And there's this process where he takes the devil and he places the sins uh, that he bore on the cross onto the devil. Mm. And the devil takes them to the lake of fire, ultimately. So how do they understand, like, the uh, binding of Satan and casting him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years? Where, where does that – do so they that, understand? The bottomless pit, as I was taught, is, um, is earth. So when we're all up in heaven, earth is the bottomless pit. And he's just chilling on earth, basically. Hmm. Um, and uh, then when we come back from heaven – uh, and New Jerusalem is a thing, uh, the devil attacks it. Um, and uh, and that's when you have the Revelation 20 events as you probably mm. read them. Yeah. Ah, it's huh. very strange. Almost so, different from anything else I've heard before. <laughs> well, so, yes, because they yeah. made it up. I, you well, know, there's no... <laughs> 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 uh, remember like i said you have to import the, these outside ideas that's the only way to do it mm. um yeah like i wish i could give you because there are different ways of reading revelation that honest people can can arrive at you know what right. i'm saying yeah um but yeah the reason you've never heard of this they just made it up man like mm. <laughs> well there you go so i, I don't i don't get the no souls thing um so meat machines they, what do they think about like our consciousness and like uh like we don't have a soul i thought because i've heard like i've heard it say like oh we are souls and we That's have a we have a body right but we're the soul right. in this right. body shell that will you know this mortal coil that will you know yeah. 
it's it's really sad. Um, so a, a big verse that they'll appeal to is Ecclesiastes nine five. It'll say, "The living know they're going to die, but the dead know nothing." Uh, now, yeah. in context, uh, Solomon is talking about things that are happening under the sun. Okay, right. so um, and we all agree th with that that you know uh, your uncle isn't visiting you like. Right, it, right get a seance or something you know what i'm saying right. um so th that that's kind of i mean i wouldn't really go to ecclesiastes for my anthropology mm -hmm. um you know i, yeah. I just I, I wouldn't do that because that's yeah. like even for laity that's bad practice but <laughs> that that's you know that that's the verse they'll lead on and a few others but that's a big one mm. um, what, do they, what do they do with uh when jesus is talking to the to the crowd, and he says that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living, implying that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still alive somewhere. In, in that yeah, that's, a, that's a really good question. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll get an answer. You will. Um, you know, I, one time I asked that to an Adventist, he told me, well, Jesus was talking in the future tense, mm. like for the resurrection. Okay. Mm. Even mm. though he's using a present tense right. verb, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, you'll get something like that. Um, it, it will vary depending on who you're talking to. Um, the, the really sad thing is where it ties into them doing abortions in their hospitals. Sorry to make it political. Mm. But no, please. Since they believe we're, that... We're all about politics. Get into it. <laughs> ooh, this one's juicy. Mm. So <laughs> they believe that the baby does not have a soul until they take their first breath because mm. that's when you are a soul is when breath you have life. breath in your yeah. lung. Right. So it's totally legit to wow. commit abortion. Wow. Now they did recently put out a very life affirming statement. Okay. So in their defense, they did and it's good. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but here's my problem. They don't stop their hospitals from disagreeing with it and performing abortions for money. Mm. That's my problem with it. Wow. And um, so, uh, that's yeah. I'm glad I remember that statement. I some of the information I'm saying is a little old. So, yeah, they did recently come out with that statement, which is good. Wow. But their their uh, hospitals are um, now. What they'll do is they hide it these days in what's called a, a DNC. Mm. So, which yeah. if you know medical terminology, that is an abortion. It's right. just sometimes a DNC is done where the baby's already dead. Yeah, right. Uh, so like a miscarriage to remove. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really unfortunate that's called that because, yeah, that's not, you know, people have have, have a miscarriage and it's tragic and we, you know, believe that that is a baby. And it's like, you see on the paperwork, like, oh, bored. Yeah. like, no. And, you know, so, yeah, a lot of people, that's not good. Well, they need to change the terminology on that, for sure. Uh, uh, an abortion is a DNC of a live baby. That's, that's the same process. Yeah, it's the same process. And that's why they call it that because it's the same yeah. kind of thing. But, yeah, it's not. Alive or dead is the same process, you know, and so yeah, right, right. That's really interesting. Yeah. I, I've heard that argument too from other uh, pro-abortion people to try to say, well, the Bible's not really against abortion. Life doesn't start till you take a breath, because Adam became a living soul when he had the breath of life. It's like, yeah, he also wasn't born, so yeah, when he was dirt, he wasn't yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. yeah. The, the the most <laughs> obvious is where Paul is talking about like how we're this tent and we're inside of it. Like there, there's like a, a a man inside the tent and your body is the tent and like I I mean he's really uh, vivid about the soul. 
Um, well, and, and, yeah, and I mean, how- that's what C.S. Lewis said was like, we are souls and we, we don't, we're not bodies who have a soul. We are souls who have a body. Right. Or, you know, paraphrase. That's what C.S. Lewis believed. I mean, that's what a lot of Christians, I think, believe is that mm-hmm. it's that it's kind of Gnostic, like, well, this body is, I'm going to shed this, you know, evil flesh, you know, the body, my <laughs> spirit is going to, my good, my good spirit, what spiritual is good, what physical is bad. And so we need to separate those two things and, you know, kind of that weird, you know, but it sounds like they don't even believe that. No. It seems like <laughs> that's weird. No. Um, yeah, like I mean, how I would see it is probably close to how you do. It's just you—you you are a human being is the union of body and soul. Right. You see what I'm saying? When when right. you have both, that's why we're equal. All of us are equal because even if you lose an arm, well, you're less body, but the union of body and soul is still there. Mm-hmm. So we're right. all equal in a, as a being ontological sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so wow. you can have people who are faster, stronger, smarter, more wealthy, mm-hmm. but ontologically they're equal because they're all body and soul does that get into like it created an image of god kind of stuff too or like is that it has to i mean right well i mean not only that but i mean the incarnation too like that's the body matters if god became flesh right like right and the resurrection all of that how how do they view (laughs) the how do they view the incarnation in that way what's their their understanding of that okay um no you won't hear the term hypostatic union um, huh. gosh, I, I, I don't want to butcher this one. Like a kenosis um, thing, right? Where they like poured out his <laughs> godliness or whatever. Okay. Uh, no, I, I'm looking for the words because I don't want to butcher it. I'm not going to say okay. this as well as I did some of the other things. But basically the understanding that I was taught, and there are quotes to back this up. I just don't have it in my head right now. Um, Jesus actually gave up his divinity in a very real sense. Okay. They believe that he, Kenosis, right, or whatever he was basically or, even yeah. worse, even worse. Um, <laughs> they, they, he's basically just a human, like all of his miracles, mm. the father's doing them, not him. Wow. Oh, okay. So he's an example of, of what we could be if, mm. you know, we were really good Christians, um, mm. even the walking on water, raising from the dead, all of that stuff. He's not doing any of those miracles. Um, so he's wow. like this example of, perfect living and just how because remember the great controversy thing you have to he's proving that it's possible you see what i'm saying so okay yeah uh yeah so uh, you know i get hung up on that a little bit not hung up like really but like uh just that idea of like well he played the god card or something and that's how he resisted temptation and stuff and it's like yeah but i mean i like he you know he he followed the law. He was fully man and was tempted in every way. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, so it's like, okay. And and we have the power, by the power of the Holy spirit, you know, we can resist temptation as well. And I believe we can. And I think that is like that. Can we conquer sin? Not in the sense that we become, we can become sinless, but mm-hmm. I do believe that we can conquer sin. I think we can, like by the power of the Holy Spirit, by God's grace, by, you know, not by any will of man or whatever, but Christians can do right. So we can choose right. And we can, now that we've been regenerated and we have responsibility to, I don't know, like that, that's one of those weird things of like, well, we're not Jesus. So, you know, I'm just going to give into temptation every time. It's like, well, I don't know how much of an excuse that is because he played the God card kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of, I, and you weren't going there, but I mean, some people will say, well, it's not fair, okay, that, that right. he's able to play the God card. And my yeah. thinking is, 
who says it has to be fair? I mean, if you're drowning in a river and somebody has one leg on the land and they dip the other into the river to reach down and get you, you're not going to be like, it's not fair. You had one foot on the land. Like, you know, (laughs) so get in the water with me (laughs) or it doesn't count, you know, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I, I would agree that God does uh, absolutely conquer sin in our life. I would just, I would go back to, to where I was saying about how we're sealed, where it's something God's doing to you. Right. You know, um, right. That, that, that forensic versus transformative thing, right? We're declared righteous, right? But not, but, but not, we're like the kind of Catholic view. We are, we are righteous. We transformed into our righteousness rather than a forensic legal sense declared righteous. With, with Lutherans, what we say is uh, simul justice et peccator, which means simultaneously justified and sinner. Right. Right. We feel that's a good reflection of what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 7, where he's talking about this tug of war within him. The yes, thing right. I do that I don't want to do. Right. I mean, right. it, 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 that's true about all. And that starts when we become a Christian. It continues. And yeah, you change, but you're never going to be perfect. You're never right. going to reach that because right. you're not going to live long enough. <laughs> so I don't know if that sums up what you were saying or not, but I... yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it is because like it it is that works, right? You know, sanctification, justification, whole thing of like, well, you know, Jesus was God, so of course he didn't give into temptation. It's like yes, but I think we can as Christ followers also by his, by the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit within us. We have like, and I think that's something that's not brought up enough either is the work and power of the Holy Spirit. Remember we talked to that, that witch guy yes, uh, yeah. Julian, and he was saying like, Oh, that was the most interesting thing about church was the Holy Spirit. And they never talked about it. And it's true I, because I don't think we ever really understand that third person of the Trinity of like, that is God, that is God. And we, he is indwelt inside us. And so that does, that changes things. I think that does change things. And I don't think we, we see it. We, I don't think we recognize that enough, I guess, or, or like emphasize that enough of, of the Holy spirit within us with the power to conquer sin and be different, like be transformed and like be like act differently, you know? I mean, it's, I can say it's at least in my experience though, that simultaneously I, feel more guilty for sins that used to not bother me. Mm-hmm. So even right. though he's changing me, I don't always feel like it. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? No, yeah. That doesn't make actually sense. feel worse. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I, I, that's, I just like to keep my eyes on Christ though, because that's the objective part. Right. That, that's the part that doesn't change. Whereas me roiling around in it, uh, I could feel worse one day to the next, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so how did you uh this is a curiosity for me how did you end up in the lutheran uh, how did it start because i wouldn't have i uh you gotta understand i know we've talked some smack at catholics at spence on this podcast <laughs> but you have no idea how it is as an adventist okay like that crucifix you see on my wall would have mm-hmm. scared me like a vampire yeah. <laughs> we we uh uh like Catholics would just, there was an aversion to it, like a weird sort of like, I don't want anything Catholic or anything like Catholic or similar right. to Catholic. I was just a very strong visceral aversion mm. to it. Um, I would have never looked at Lutheranism, but um, I, I do have YouTube and there's this uh, Sabbath debate, which I was very interested in at the mm. time that came up on my feed between pastor Chris Rosebro and mm. 
uh, some, he was one of the ones you're talking about earlier where they keep the Torah. I forget. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good video. Uh, very good debate. One of the best Sabbath debates available mm. on the internet. It's really good. Um, but what struck me was he was using the new covenant theology, like I had been taught at, at former Adventist fellowship. Um, but he wasn't associated with them. So I just found that interesting. And mm -hmm. I was curious if I could learn more from him because he arrived at that from his tradition, not from, uh, you know, a conference that he paid to right. go to, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, so I started listening to his podcast and uh, it kind of happened from there. Okay. Uh, the, har the hardest parts for me were the things you would expect, uh, baptism and communion mm. and stuff like that. Right, right. But um, I tested it, and uh, I'll just say I was convinced hmm. um, when I looked at the scripture and the different arguments out there. I picked a lot of fights with some of y'all Reformed Baptists. Um, <laughs> you were very helpful, all of you. You were so willing to, to debate me on Facebook. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> You know, that was healthy for me to help me like test it. And well, I've, that's never, what I, <laughs> I've never seen a debate a Reformed Baptist isn't willing to have. So I, I loved it. It was <laughs> because I just, so when I told you I love Reformed Baptists, I, I mean it. Like y'all were so helpful um, and still are. Uh, but um, yeah, that was, uh, that's basically how that happened. Hmm. Um, hmm. So uh, yeah, now I go to a, a Lutheran church in town now. That's, uh, there was one here. And so that's what we started doing. Hmm. Uh, Five, six years now. I don't know. What, what would you say your eschatology is now? Amillennialism. Ah. Uh, yeah. We're militantly post-mill over here, but... Really? Well, it's almost <laughs> Very the same much. thing. Very yeah, so... much. Right? It is almost the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I like James White. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Oh, yeah. Uh, his... Oh. Oh yeah. gosh, he's one of my favorites. Right, yeah, he right. recently, y'all recently converted him from paganism oh, yeah. to postmillennialism. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say what I like about you guys is you look optimistically towards the future. Right, you're not right. just like building bunkers. You know, <laughs> <you're> like... <laughs> right. So yeah. I, I can I can get down with that. I like that. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I mean. That that yeah, Amil seems to be the uh, safe route as far as like, well, we're not those weird pre-mill crazy, <laughs> but, you know. I was afraid looks, you were going to tell me you were pre-mill, and I was like, oh, you're not going to get no, it. No, but, like, <laughs> but like, but, like, but the post-mill is like, oh, it looks pretty bad outside, so right. maybe not post-mill. Not so optimistic about things, whatever. Yeah. Um, that's funny. I heard someone say, it came up in, in community group one time, and <laughs> this is a new guy, and it's really funny. He said, uh, I'd, I'd consider myself pan-millennial. And we're like, what? And he's like, we'll just see how it pans out. <laughs> I mean, that's basically, well, that's basically, you know, see, the thing about amillennialism is it's so nothing that no matter how right. it pans out, we're right. You know what I'm saying? Right, exactly. like, right. <laughs> Right. I think I think I think the biggest difference it seems uh, we have a friend who, who's like, like militantly amil if you can yeah, be. Yeah, I know. As strange as that sounds. <laughs> uh, and we go back and forth, and it's just like, well, it's the church. We're building the church. Is is you know? And I'm like, yes, on earth, like it, like actually in real, and it kind of like what we're talking about that, like that um, 
bodily, physical, earthly aspect to it, not just in a spirit or in a church sense, but in an actual sense. Like the gospel will succeed not as the church grows, yes, as the church grows, but not just spiritually, but like actually in the world. Like the world will become more Christianized. And that's an like on earth as it is in heaven, not just with the church and Christians as it is in heaven, but like on earth as it is in heaven, you know. Hmm. So I don't know. That seems to be the biggest difference, I guess, in all mill and post mill. Well, in, in my opinion, and I could never exegete this. This is just <laughs> my mind, okay? okay. But um, so just full disclosure, I'm not going to die on the hill for it. But <laughs> I think um, it, the Bible is very clear that Jesus is reigning and ruling now. Right. And I'm not willing to water that down. Right. Right. It's true. And he's right. sovereign. So he's not trying to rule and reign. He mm. is ruling and reigning. Mm. And you know what? You're, you're absolutely right when you say, well, the world looks pretty messed up right now. Well, uh, I just think that's his will. Like, that's how he wants it to be. Every mm. generation, the elect are saved and the reprobate are damned. Mm. And he wins every day. That's how, I mean, he is condemning this world with the law and saving it with the gospel. Mm. And that's going on all the time. And honestly, the things that we look at to say this world is so bad are irrelevant because they're all going to burn in hell. And they do all the time. They don't matter. They're just right. like, like I, I mean, it's just not relevant. The things that we think are relevant are just not relevant uh, from the perspective of heaven. You see what I'm saying? Like, are you sure he's in control? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's why I say the difference between us is not as vast as some would have. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the basic, I don't think that there has to be, this is the reason why I'm not post mill. I don't think that there has to be this idyllic thousand year thing. You see Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Even if Mm -hmm. it's a symbolic thousand year thing, I think it could be, um, you know, the midst of the fall of Rome and Christ returns because mm-hmm. he's still ruling and reigning in that. And it's still good in mm. that because his will is being fulfilled in that. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah. So that's why I'm more yeah, comfortable yeah. with Amil, but that's a really nuanced sort right. of thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 I think post mill is, there's more, there's more work to it because it seems, because it's like a, you know, it, it, it's all going to burn, but, but, uh, it's all going to be redeemed kind of thing versus like we have to get culture back. We have to get science back. We have to oh, get see, see. the family right. back, business, economy, culture, art, entertainment, well, everything is to be redeemed to God. Not like when others as, pass away and then, right. like, but it's like going to be taken back. Cause it like is like as, as the world is crumbling down, we're yeah. expected to be there with the wheelbarrow full of bricks, ready to build it back up again. Right. <laughs> well, I, I actually agree. I believe that's true if God lets it go that long, because um, uh, this world right now. See, here's another Lutheran concept for you. It's probably a reformed one, too. I don't know, but it's called um, uh, natural law. Okay, so there's biblical law. There's God's law that he's revealed to us in Scripture. But there is a natural order in which creation works that we can discern through reason. It doesn't Mm. violate biblical law. It's just, uh, you know, even even uh, the reprobate can, can figure it out. Okay. And our world due to modern technology and modern infrastructure and modern ways of being has enabled us to live outside of that natural law to such a degree that we don't see our own demise. 
I mean, not to get too much into the weeds, but people aren't having any kids and it's not hard right. to do the calculus <laughs> on that one. So right. when you're saying you'll be there to be rebuilt, yeah, because Christians are having families and they're not. Right. That's yes. the same right. way right. we beat Rome. That's the right. same yes. way we beat Rome. Right. And it's the same way we will beat this civilization if God lets us stay here long enough to do it. Mm. So right. it's, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, you know, and, and I, I think that gets sort of presuppositional too, as far as like, there is no reason like there is no there is no uh, neutral, shareable like law. There's stolen law. There's stolen capital. Oh. Stolen reason. There's right. no reason. There's no law. There's no nature. There's no anything without God. It all comes from God. And people in their created image of God cannot help but abide by it. But then they'll we're all stardust. We're all you know natural you know evolution and, and those things. Oh, but then you know it keeps popping up. But when someone says like the law or like there's this the, neutrality is a myth, right? So there's no like neutral thing. It all belongs to God or it's stolen and they'll steal mm. our reason, our logic that they cannot account for right. in their godless worldview. Uh, mm. It can only be in, accounted for and made intelligible in a Christian worldview. So there is only a Christian law. That's why I say like, there's no such thing as secular music. There's <laughs> only there, there, music is, is created by God. There's no secular tree. Right. It's like that's created by God. Like this is it's perverted and distorted and twisted and used to glorify man or to glorify God. But it all always belongs to God. It never there's no like neutral, you know, philosophy or reason or logic. And we're all just kind of using it and stuff. So if you say like, oh, compare, you know, comport uh, you, you can you can religion and, and, and science and God and, and theism and stuff and, and logic and reason can 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 converge it's like what are you talking about there's no such thing as any of these things without god so <laughs> like you, have to come up, you know it, it reminds me of a joke uh where like these scientists say god we don't need you we've, we've we can create our own humans we we don't need you anymore we've perfected man we can create our own man you know and and so god says okay well you create a man and i'll create a man and we'll see which one's better right yeah. okay so the scientists start gathering a bunch of dirt and god says no no, no get your own dirt Right. <laughs> you know, right. It's like it's all gods. You're just stealing it and using it against us in your unrighteousness to to slap God in the face with his own creation. Well, uh, like I'll make a, a that I mean absolutely, but like for example, there there was a time in our history where mm. if you didn't follow certain laws of God's created universe, um you, the repercussions would hit you in your own lifetime. Okay. Right. So like if you're fornicating and you have kids with dozens of women, okay. Uh, there's going to be obvious repercussions of that. And one mm. of their uh, dads is going to kill you. I mean, like you're not going to make it like very far, you know what I'm right. saying? But because of modern medicine and mm. modern technology and uh, a post scarcity economy, almost um, right. you can live like a devil. And make it uh, very far in life with very little consequence. Mm. And there are consequences outside of your life, right? That right. society as a whole will still suffer for that you're just not going to see. Mm. So it's not like the natural law in that sense is gone. It's not like God's law is gone. There's consequences, not just divine consequences, but like logical consequences um, that you're going to suffer uh, you know, if you have a mass amount of people who just don't have kids, there's going to be a great loss of wealth for one. Right. 
um, uh, destruction of property, um, uh, collapse of civilization. I mean, I can't even count like all of the, the things that would happen, you know? Right. So, but, but so, so what I say to that is there are temporal consequences, but that, that is not the reason it's wrong, I guess. Okay. And, and that gets into like a, no, um, no, it's not the reason like, it's wrong. Right. So like, it's, so the only reason it's wrong because it violates God's law. Well, they, even if you don't recognize it, even if you're just <laughs> saying, well, his dad, her, her dad killed me. Yeah. But that wasn't, that wasn't why it was wrong. That wasn't, right, right, you right, know, right. like it was wrong because it violates God's law. And so that's, that's always still even just there. There are temporal consequences that might be there, but mm -hmm. the wages of sin is uh, death, not, you know, a flat tire the, or something. Because the, the, it. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but the, the, the natural reality of that um, did have consequences that did make more people break it at least a little bit less. Yeah, you know right. what I'm saying. Right, uh, right, to, right. to the point where there's a greater good in the sense that uh, more people are staying married. You see, it's what I'm almost saying? it's almost in a way it's almost like in modern society we've kind of uh, reached what Babel aspired to, right? Like their whole thing was to build a tower <laughs> so that you know they would go up to heaven to be like gods. And, and in some sense, we're not building towers; we're just building science and society right. into our own image, and our fame is what's going to be great, and we're going to be known forever. Yeah, but it's yeah. driven by our, our dopamine levels, not by uh, right. anything else. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and there's consequences for that. And, and there's obviously, like, I'm not saying the, the reason it's wrong is because of those consequences, but there are also those consequences. Right, right, right. And right. Um, and they're going to play their course. And uh, Which is terrifying, yeah, so, too, for, you know, yes. people like, <laughs> I, I'm not so much worried for myself at this point because it's pretty bad, but, you know, we manage. But, you know, mm -hmm. for people like us who do have kids, that's where you start thinking generationally, like, man, what's it going to look like for them and their kids? Like, yeah. I, I think we're fighting now. Like, how much more are they going to be fighting? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know what? If millennials don't start having a lot of kids, like, right now, there's not going to be much of a fight. There'll be nobody. except That's for true. Well, <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the thing, too. So you have – so you as a Christian have 10 kids, right? And right. raise them like Christian, raise them in the church. And you send them off to college to the millennial who had one kid and became a professor. Mm -hmm. And now he's teaching all of your kids. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. they're not having kids, but they are teaching your kids. And that, uh, and they're going to be 60 years old, 70 years old in that, in that college classroom teaching your kids who you raised in church, who right. leave, at, leave the church at college. But that, and so that's the problem. So it's not just a matter of procreation, but, uh, Cultivation, cultivation, redemption of colleges. Like we need to embrace. We need to redeem academia. We need to redeem these things right. because we're gonna we're gonna raise up our kids in church and send them off to the pagans to be taught, and then they're gonna leave the faith, or whatever. But honestly, I think that happens. Not that's at happening 18, now, right? Yeah, happening now. right. Yeah, right. Yeah, but, but not so all. They'll have to have kids. They'll just teach yours and, and indoctrinate your kids. You know. Yeah, I mean, but. Not all of them are gonna, right, you know, right, right. So uh, eventually, right. that That's that true. calculus is gonna spin around. Like, right. you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You're not gonna have to conquer it. It's just gonna be placed under Jesus's feet. He, I mean, right. it's a footstool like under his yes, throne. Right. Like that's all it will be. And anybody in the future will be able to see, wow, that secularism is just as dumb as the, <laughs> uh, you know, polytheism that Christianity put under Christ's feet and. I don't know the third. Well, I mean, it's the same. You know what I'm but it's the same thing. It, it, that's the thing. It's the same thing. It's all paganism. You're a pagan or you are a Christian, 
in any but, sense. Right? But we get to see both brands defeated. You know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> right. right. Yeah, I like that. Both brands. That's good. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's very true. Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, it's been good, man. This was really enlightening, really informative, yeah. especially sure. on this topic. Because we, you know, like I told you, I was excited for this because we had very little info coming in. And I feel like you really fleshed it out going forward. Oh. Prepare yourself for a bunch of letters from Avatar. <laughs> I so hope. You know. I can only hope. <laughs> okay. Let me. Uh, if you're an Adventist, uh, please hit us up. We will respond. <laughs> so if you have complaints, if you have concerns, here's our email. Please send it, and we will address these. If you're willing to come on the show, like I said, if you if you have an argument, and you want to make it on here and say we weren't represented fairly. Here's what we actually come on. We'll have you on. Um, in the meantime, what is your blog where people can find more info like this? Oh, it's uh, actheologian.com. So armchair theologian. Oh, nice. Nice. All right, cool. So yeah, if you have questions, and do you cover other uh, topics besides just this, or is this kind of your uh, I I have it separated. So okay. there's the whole Adventist section, and that, that gets most traffic. Um, and then I have my own theological musings on other topics of Christian nature. Um, cool. You know, uh, anthropology, Christology, everything. Uh, but it's just as I think of it. And, and I'm very clear that it's armchair theology. Um, right. Don't take me too seriously. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Every Christian every is a theologian, right? So that's, I mean, yes, that's part of the yes, deal. Yes. But I don't want to put myself up there like, you know what i'm saying right right well, it's been a pleasure to have you on especially i can see your collection in the back so it's cool to have another nerd on here too oh yes <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> we we did time working in a comic book store so we're we're right in there i'd love to take credit that's actually my wife's the gun is oh mine, really so, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that too. that's even better <laughs> cool. well thanks cool. man we appreciate you coming on oh, okay cool thanks for having me all right. Well, man, that was really good. I hope uh, you guys, that was informative for anyone. Uh, if you have any other questions, blogs there. We'll put it in the show notes. If anyone wants to find it afterwards, uh, you can. Uh, and please, please, I reached out to a couple of Adventists, and they, like I said, they didn't get back to me. So if you're willing to come on and discuss it, please come on and discuss it. Uh, yeah, we're very civil. On. We have good conversations. We've had witches. We've had <laughs> <laughs> Lutherans. We've had... <laughs> uh, <laughs> We've, we've even had Presbyterians, and yeah. it's been okay. So Gays, we've had everyone. So, you know, everyone. and it's always a great conversation. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, that's it for this week. So, until next week, this is the time, this is the place. We'll see you guys. See you.